Welcome to the Gas Street Podcast. Our vision as a church is to be light for the city. We really hope you enjoy this message. Oh, there we go. Hey. Me, you just, me and technology, we are like that. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, hang on. What's happened now? I think we could have that for home, where I can switch the microphone off and turn on. Get off this stage. Get off this stage. Oh, my days. So rude. So rude. It's all right. I forgive you. I forgive you. I'm that kind of a person. Um, so hello if you're in the room. That's what I was saying with my microphone turned off. And hello if you are watching online. And hello, darling. Beloved husband, um, we are going to dive straight into the second part of our series, Exploring the Fruit of the Spirit. Hopefully, you will have tuned in last week. Nick kicked us off. It was fantastic. Uh, do go and listen to that or watch it if you haven't done so yet. And what better day to be focusing on the second fruit of the Spirit, which is joy, joy. I cannot think of a better day to be looking at the fruit of joy on a day when we are anticipating a massive celebration. Hang on. I know what you're thinking. But not only are we anticipating England winning the final of the Euros, but it is also my father-in-law's 80th birthday today. Today. And uh, he's... uh, He's here. He, he was a pastor in Birmingham for many years, as uh, a number of you will know. And just a quick story about my father-in-law. Again, I've shared some of this before, but Tim and I actually grew up together. So our families were really good friends. John was the vicar at the church where my parents worshipped. And um, Tim is a year older than me. And on the day that I was born, or maybe the the second day I was born, John went to visit my mom and my dad in hospital to to meet me, to meet little, cute little baby Rachel. And, And this is how the story goes, no word of a lie. John scooped me up into his arms and said, here's a little girl for my son, Tim. I know, isn't that amazing? And then we got married. That, that's, that's, that's why it's amazing, right? I th- I, do you know, I thought that would have more of an impact, guys. Oh, yeah, that's a good story. That is a good story. Anyway, we are going to jump into Galatians 5, where we're going to find this list of the fruit of the Spirit. And you know what? I want us to read it together. I know you've got masks on, but you can read quietly behind your mask. If you're at home without a mask on, you just go for it, okay? We're going to read these verses together. Are you ready? I think they're going to come up on the screen somewhere. You will be able to see them. Galatians 5, starting at verse 22. But... I'm listening out for those whispers behind the mask. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, or patience, sorry, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against, keep going, against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Thank you, you did beautifully there. 
But if we track back just a couple of verses from these verses that we just read together, what we know is a bit of context for why Paul has given us this list of the fruit of the Spirit. Paul is saying to the church, when you decide to follow Jesus, there are gonna be forces that will come against you. We know that, don't we? If you follow Jesus for any length of time, you will know and you will have experienced that. Uh, Some of these forces include like those internal kind of messed up desires that we all have that want to pull us away from a relationship with Jesus. It might be pressures from around us, pressures to conform to the standards and the values of the culture within which we find ourselves. Values around money and sex and power and success and relationships, which at times can feel in contrast, contrary to the values of the kingdom of God. Or maybe those pressures, those forces coming against us are some of the temptations and trials that will be thrown of us sent straight from the pit of hell. And you know, all of these things, they will shape us if we don't pay attention to them. They will lead us into captivity. That's what Paul says in a different place in the Bible. But Paul says here, Paul says, you are called to be free. You're called to be free. And that freedom will not come from what Paul says, indulging in the desires of the flesh. No, freedom comes, Galatians 5 tells us, from walking in step with the Holy Spirit, from living in step with the Holy Spirit, from living in proximity to Jesus, from investing in our relationship with Him. And when we do that, change begins to take place. Transformation begins to happen because as we walk in step with the Spirit, this good stuff begins to be produced in our lives, this good fruit, as Paul describes it, the fruit of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. There they are, all nine of them. I don't know uh, whether you've had a chance to listen to the Orchard podcast, little plug there. We've got an event on the 30th of October. If you're watching, you can book a ticket now. But if you have listened to the Orchard podcast, uh, you will know that we've had a bit of a head start when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit. We've been looking uh, at our series on the fruit of the Spirit for several months now because the vision of the Orchard came from these verses in Jeremiah 17, 7. You may or may not be familiar with them. They're going to come up on the screen again. Jeremiah 17, 7 says this, but blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when the heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Two quick things before we focus in, before we home in on the fruit of joy. Number one, focus on the root before you focus on the fruit. Focus on the root before you focus on the fruit. It is so easy to make the mistake of thinking that growing these nine fruit that Paul lists is something that we do in our own strength. It's something that we do on our own merit. We fall into the trap of thinking, if I work really, really, really hard, if I really put all the effort in, then I will become more patient or more kind or have more self-control. And that will work to a degree, but only to a degree. But for a tree... For a tree, fruit just grows. It just grows. A a tree doesn't have to work really, really, really hard at at 
producing fruit. It, it just happens. It's what a tree does. They produce fruit if, and here's the key, if the tree's roots have access to water. Without water, no fruit. No fruit. Maybe very, very little. A tree doesn't focus on the fruit. A tree focuses on the root. So Paul is not saying, make those nine fruits your goal. Pursue them. Fix your eyes on those fruit. No, he's saying, pursue Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Work really hard at making connection with Jesus. Fix your eyes on Him. Walk in step with the Spirit because He's the water. He's the stream. And when we do, the fruit will grow. Number two, the fruit is not who we are. Sorry, the fruit is who we are, not what we do. The fruit is who we are, not what we do. You know, I, I've read those verses in Jeremiah 17, like I don't know how many times. I love those verses. And it only occurred to me recently that as I have read them, I've always equated the fruit in never fails to bear fruit with accomplishment, with achievement, with like good stuff that I can get done for God. Hallelujah. But as I've thought about it over the last couple of weeks, I'm convinced that the fruit of Jeremiah 17 is the same fruit that Paul is talking about in Galatians 5. It's the fruit of good character. It's the fruit of the kind of person that we are becoming. It's the kind of fruit of who we are being transformed into. That's the fruit. Because this kind of fruit, it is so much more important than anything that we could ever do, anything that we could ever accomplish or achieve. And, and how often do we lose sight of that? I know I do. I do all the time, especially as we live in a world that places so much value on what we do rather than who we are. You know, I remember quite a few years ago now when I first became a mum, 13 and a half years ago it was now, I first became a mum to our daughter Phoebe. And, and it was the most amazing experience. And honestly, it, it is not an experience that or a privilege that I take for granted. But I am someone who really likes to get stuff done. That's just how I've been wired. And you know, one of the biggest adjustments for me stepping into motherhood was being in a, a season where the fruit of accomplishment felt like really, really limited. You know, every day at home, I'd be caring for these little ones. And if I managed just to shower or load the dishwasher, like it felt like a victory. Some of you will know what I'm talking about. And I loved, I love being with my kids. But in those early years, I found it so hard, that feeling of each day feeling like I had nothing to show for it. And it challenged my sense of identity. It, it impacted my relationship with God. It, it impacted my marriage to, to Tim. And for a while, it felt like I was permanently kind of frustrated uh, and resentful. And in the end, I just kind of resolved I kind of made peace with the fact that I was like on an, uh, I was in an on hold season. That, that's how I approached it. Well, I'm just in an on hold season because subconsciously I had bought into this lie that the only fruit that counted for anything was the fruit of achievement. I, I didn't realize 
that during that time, during that season that felt so hidden, so mundane at times, God was at work. God was at work on my character and there was a lot of work to do, I can tell you. You know, I'm back in that season now with our our little baby. I'm back in that season and I can see now with hindsight what God has done, what he is still doing, what he's still refining in my character. And I can see now that he is so so much more interested in who I'm becoming than anything that I could get done. That's the fruit that he's looking for. You know, these fruits that we're going to spend the next few weeks looking at, they are cultivated in the soil of real life. They're cultivated in the soil of mess and chaos and kind of the glorious complexity that is everyday life. These are not fruits that we attain to once our lives are in order, you know, like trophies that we put in a cupboard for everyone to see. No, these fruits are grown from a life that is surrendered to Jesus. Surrendered to Jesus over a lifetime, through every age, through every stage, through every season. Because each season of life will be different. It will be. You might be young and you're listening to this. I can tell you there will be marked seasons in the life, in your life as you journey through. And that's the challenge. When we think about fruit in every season, this fruit that Paul talks about, when we think about it in the context of joy, we have to ask the question, joy, is that right? Like, can joy really be found in every season? Can that be true? Is is Jeremiah right? Like, that if the roots of our lives run to the stream that is Jesus, that no matter what the season, even if it's a season that marked by drought, we will never fail to bear fruit. I feel so challenged by these verses in Habakkuk 3.17 that say this, though the fig tree does not bud, And there are no grapes on the vines. Though the olive crop fails and the field produces no food, though there are no sheep in the pen, no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Saviour. Even if, even if I go through a season when I hate my job, Even if I go through a season where that relationship that I was really invested in ends, even if I go through a season where my health is bad, even if I go through a season marked by a global pandemic, even if I walk through a season that is weighed down by challenge and uncertainty and frustration and hardship and disappointment, even if I'm in a season where nothing feels like it is going right, a season where it feels like everything is coming against me, even in that season, can I really find joy? Well, the Bible's answer is a resounding yes. Yes, yes. That's what the Bible's tell us. Just to be really clear, just a quick caveat here. We are not talking about toxic positivity in this context. You know, joy, joy, the fruit of joy, it does not sweep difficulty under the carpet. That is not what joy does. You know, there should always be space for difficult questions, for for grief, for the processing of pain. 
and sadness. But what the word of God makes clear is that in every season, there can also be joy. You know, I I remember a good friend of mine telling me uh, about the week where her dad had suddenly died. And it was devastating, as you can imagine. And I remember her telling me that on the day of her funeral, her and her immediate family, they, they gathered together after the funeral and everybody had gone and they shared a meal together. And across that meal table, there were a lot of tears, as you can imagine. But I remember her saying that there was also so much joy because they shared, they reminisced all the funny memories and they howled with laughter together as they remembered the joy that he had brought into their lives. You know, the first thing that we have to do when we think about joy, we have to be absolutely clear that we are not confusing happiness with joy. There is a really important distinction that we make. You know, cultivating joy is different from the pursuit of happiness. And happiness isn't bad as such, it's just that it's, it's fleeting. It comes and it goes, whereas joy is sustaining. If happiness is the shallows, then joy is the deep waters. You know, happiness is, is that strive, you know, that feeling where you're striving towards this elusive state when every aspect of your life is exactly where you want it to be all at the same time. Happiness is living for that, like a next buzz, that next adrenaline rush. Happiness is reaching the goal that we thought would fill the emptiness inside and then discovering moments later that the emptiness is still there. Happiness demands that we make the world revolve around us. Happiness does not do well with imperfection and mess. Happiness can't cope with disappointment. Happiness cannot handle ordinary. Whereas joy, joy, joy laughs easily. Joy smiles regularly. Joy doesn't take itself too seriously. Joy takes delight when others do well. Joy draws people in. Those at the edges, joy draws people in. Joy takes risks. Joy isn't easily offended. Joy finds pleasure in ordinary things. Joy is outrageously generous. Joy is relentlessly grateful. Joy sets people at ease. Joy doesn't try to mask the pain. Joy points people to Jesus. You know, happiness is it's self-made, it's self-earned, and it's self-sustained. But joy comes from proximity with the joy giver. That's where it comes from. Joy comes from drinking in of his presence, drinking in of his word. You know, maybe you're in the room and you're listening to this, maybe you're watching online and you're tuning in. And as I've been speaking, the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you. And you recognize that what it is, is you've been pursuing happiness rather than cultivating joy. Maybe you're listening to this and you realize that your relationship with God has grown cold and distant. That actually you feel starved of joy because the roots need to reconnect with the stream. Maybe 
Others of you feel like you are in a season that is so challenging right now, a season that you are having to endure, and it feels like because of the circumstances of the season that you're in, all the joy is being sucked out of life. You know what, sometimes there aren't easy or simple answers. I want to acknowledge that, but, but I do believe I do believe that God is wanting to release joy into people's hearts today by his Holy Spirit. I believe that. And the good news is, here's the good news. Like trees are created to produce fruit, we are created to produce joy. It's how we've been made. Sometimes we forget that. You just need to look at little kids. Have you noticed how little children, they are really, really good at producing joy. They don't have any problem producing joy. They are joy machines. They can find joy in the most boring, mundane, broken, worn out thing. They can, they just find joy. And so if we've been made, if we've been designed and created to produce joy, but the fruit isn't growing, if we recognize that the fruit of joy isn't coming, then the first place that we need to look is at the soil. Maybe, maybe you know like the, the roots are doing their job, that they're running down to the stream, but the issue is in the soil. Maybe the soil is lacking some vital nutrient. Maybe, uh, maybe some toxicity has kind of leaked in. And maybe for some of us here and online, maybe for some of us, the most important question that you could ask the Holy Spirit today is this. Is there something in the soil of my life that is stopping the fruit of joy from growing? Kay Warren, who is married to Rick Warren, who is a pastor in America, she has written a brilliant book called Choose Joy. Uh, And she writes this as a definition of joy. I think it's really helpful. Joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of my life. The quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right. And the determined choice to praise God in all things. Maybe for you, what the soil is lacking is the nutrient of perspective. Maybe that's what's lacking. Do you have an earthly perspective or do you have a heavenly one? Do you have that settled assurance that Kay Warren talks about, the settled assurance that God is in control or the quiet confidence that everything is going to be all right? You know, sometimes we do have to live through seasons where it feels like almost totally impossible to imagine that there could be anything good the other side of it. There are seasons like that, that that the season could ever change, that it could ever look different. For some of us, maybe it feels like our perspective has got stuck in the here and now. It's got stuck in what we can see right in front of us. And if what we can see right in front of us is draining and challenging, then joy can sometimes feel like almost out of reach. And it's in those moments, this is what we need to be aware of, because it's in those moments that the temptation is to control. For some of us, we know that's our go-to, hands up, confession of a control freak. That's our temptation when we feel like we can't change, we begin to control. For others, it it might be that you're in that season and, and for you, you just have to go after the stuff that you know, you know deep down. It's not ultimately gonna fulfill you, but it gives you that momentary hit. For others, we, we just fall into that pit of self-pity and bitterness and victim mode. Sound familiar to anyone? But these things, you know, they are toxic. 
They're toxic in the soil and they kill joy. But if we have a heavenly perspective, a heavenly perspective finds joy in knowing that there is a much bigger picture, that there will be something, something good beyond the season that we're in, whether that's on earth or in heaven, there is a season beyond the one that we're in that we know deep in our souls that God knows what he's doing, that he will never leave us, never forsake us, that there is always hope. A heavenly perspective also finds joy in the moment. A heavenly perspective doesn't fixate on the future that we see right in front of us. Uh, It can look beyond our circumstances. A heavenly perspective resolves to see and to celebrate the goodness of God right in the present moment. A heavenly perspective finds joy by refusing to play it safe. Again, I remember a few years back now, uh, Tim and I were on holiday in Cornwall and it was December and it was cold, very, very cold and very, very wet. And it was right in the middle of that season that I talked about earlier. And we were walking along the beach, freezing cold. And at that time, we just had a baby and a toddler in tow. And I can remember looking out at the ocean and feeling this sense that I had kind of lost a little bit of who I was. I had, I had, I had become really safe and like really responsible, you know? And I'd lost some of that joy that just came from taking risks, from from pushing myself out of my comfort zone. And so as I looked at the ocean, uh, without any warning, I just took my coat off and I ran into the sea. I ran into the sea. Like I had to prove to myself that somehow I was still me. It was still me. Poor Tim thought I'd completely lost the plot, as did our toddler. But it was exhilarating, not because the the sea was like sub-zero, but because I just chose to embrace the moment and just squeeze some joy out of it. You know, as a parent, there are moments when you can see that your child is holding back from kind of stepping into an experience, a new experience, something that you know they're gonna love, but they're a bit nervous, they're a bit afraid. And I find myself saying to my kids all the time, you know, don't let fear rob you of joy. It's like they're standing in front of a wall, you know, and fear is on this side and joy is on the other. And as a parent, it's like I just need to help them, you know, hop over that wall. Don't let fear rob you of joy. I think, that is, I think that's really pertinent for someone today, whether you're here in the room or online. I, I believe that's what the Holy Spirit is wanting to say to you. There's, there's something that he's calling you to step into and it's like there's this wall in front of you and you can feel the fear this side, but the Holy Spirit saying, I promise you, joy is on the other side. Joy is on the other side. Take that step. Run into the ocean. Maybe maybe for you, the soil, that the issue with the soil, it's not about perspective. Maybe what's lacking in the soil is gratitude. 
Nobody wants to think of themselves as an ungrateful person, do they? But you know, gratitude and joy are inextricably linked. In fact, research has shown that, that joy doesn't precede gratitude. Joy proceeds gratitude, i.e. gratitude isn't just like a byproduct of joy, like gratitude is just the pastime of lucky people who just happen to be joyful. No, gratitude produces joy. That's what it does. You know, you think now of the most joy-filled person you know, and I guarantee you that it'll be somebody that practices gratitude, somebody that has a gratitude mindset. I recently heard the story about this old lady in her 90s, and this old lady had lost her husband not long earlier, her husband of 70 years. Uh, and they had lived together in their lovely house that was filled with their memories. Uh, but she had reached the point where she wasn't able to care for herself on her own and it was time for her to move into some supported accommodation. Uh, and she arrived uh, and, uh, and even though she was letting go of the fact that she was moving out of her beloved home, as she arrived, the staff member met her and told her that they were just getting her room ready. And she knew she was moving into sort of a, a much smaller, a, a modest room. And this staff member, while they were waiting, just began to describe the room to her. And she said, oh, I love it. And the staff member looked at her and said, but you haven't even seen it yet. And the old lady replied, oh, oh that doesn't matter. I've already chosen to love it. I've already chosen to love it. Gratitude mindset leads to contentment. Regularly acknowledging what we've been given rather than focusing what we don't have, it fuels contentment. It pushes us against a mindset of jealousy, a mindset of comparison and greed. A gratitude mindset leads to generosity. Try it. Try practicing gratitude and see if it doesn't encourage you to just give more away. Try it. Gratitude mindset also leads to worship because we don't just acknowledge what we've been given, we, we acknowledge who has given it to us. And every good gift comes from him, every good gift. And so when our mindset shifts towards gratitude, we just can't help but worship. And all these things, contentment, generosity, worship, they all release joy. They release joy, they release joy. I wanna end with this, and then we're gonna to pray together as the band come up. I don't know, uh, has anyone here watched the Chosen series? Anyone? Put it in the chat if you've been watching the Chosen series. Yeah, it is amazing. You can get the app. It's a, a dramatization on film of Jesus's life. Uh, it sounds cheesy. It's absolutely extraordinary. But you know, one of the things that I love, one of the many things that I love about it is that in it, Jesus has a sense of humor. Have you spotted that? I love that. He's got, like a, he's got like a cheeky twinkle in his eye. And it has been such a revelation for me to imagine Jesus like that. Because it, it occurred to me that for all these years, I've kind of imagined Jesus to be very serious, very serious. But Jesus, he is the personification of joy. Wherever he went, there was joy. He just released joy all over the place. A few of us here 
Last weekend, we had the privilege of going to Dan and Millie's wedding. Millie uh, and Dan are both in a part of the worship team here. Some of you will know them. And it was a beautiful celebration, despite the fact that like lots of people getting married at this time, they had had to face COVID-related obstacle after COVID-related obstacle just to get to the church that day. But you know, walking into the church last weekend, you'd never have known that because there was like this palpable sense of joy, this exuberant joy in the room and throughout the whole day, to be honest. And the thing that I noted was I remember hearing on several occasions that a number of their friends who were at the wedding that day, who don't normally go to church, they were just blown away by this tangible sense of joy from a bunch of Christians. You know, our joy is a witness to people that there is something beyond happiness. Our joy is a witness to this hope that we have found in the gospel. Our joy should be contagious. Uh, Our joy should be both confronting and appealing to those who don't have it. Our joy should cause people to ask questions, not because our lives are without challenge, not because we don't acknowledge that challenges exist, but because in the midst of challenges, we can still access joy. You know, I really do end with this. Don't ever make the mistake. Don't ever make the mistake of thinking that the fruit of the Spirit are merely some self-improvement checklist. You know, when we do that, we like strip them of their power. We mustn't do that because the fruit of the Spirit in our lives should produce hope. A hope that causes people to ask us where that hope comes from. And if we choose, and it is a choice, if we choose to walk in step with the Holy Spirit, then these fruits will be produced in our lives. And when our lives are full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, people will say to us, what is it about you? What is it you've got? What are you tapping into? What's the difference about you? These fruits are never the end goal. These fruits are never the end goal. The end goal is always Jesus, but they allow our lives to point towards the one that we have been made in the image of. Isn't that amazing? What an amazing thought. And when we walk in step with the Spirit, when we cultivate the soil of our lives, being mindful of the nutrients, being being alert to anything toxic that we've allowed in, these fruits will grow. And as they grow, we reflect Jesus. We reflect Jesus. We reflect Jesus. I'd love to invite you to stand. We're gonna pray together. Because the Holy Spirit is here. The Holy Spirit is here. Come Holy Spirit, would you come now? Just invite Him. If this is, you may have been a Christian for a very long time, maybe you're watching online for the first time, You're not excluded from this. Just ask God to come by His Holy Spirit into your life. There's no magic words or formula. You just say, come, I invite you. I invite you. And one of the most amazing things is that we can be totally real before Him. We don't need to put up any pretense. And with that in mind, we can be honest with him about where we're at when it comes to joy. 
I just want to pray simply, Holy Spirit, would you release joy? Release joy by your Spirit. It's a gift. Would you give it, Lord? Would you give it? I was thinking about how sometimes these fruits, it's like a a cloak that we put on, like a coat that we put on. But sometimes in order to put it on, we have to take something else off. And it might be as I was talking about that, the soil, you know that there is stuff that is toxic in the soil that is killing joy before it even gets to bear fruit in your life. I don't know what that is for you. You will know because the Holy Spirit will just bring it to mind right now. All you need to do is just bring it before him and say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry where I've allowed this, whatever it might be, to just get in the way. And he, he is longing to forgive. He's longing to forgive, to bring freedom. Come, Holy Spirit, come. For others, you, you know, it's, you, just, you just feel cold. You feel distant. It's like the root has been cut off for some reason. I want to pray now, Holy Spirit, for others in the room. Would you just help them to, to reconnect with you, the source, the source of life, the source of sustenance? Let's just keep waiting, keep waiting, keep waiting. If you're at home, let me encourage you to do that. I know the temptation is to rush off onto other things you may have to do. But just stay in this moment if you can. Come, Holy Spirit, release your joy. Yeah, and just while you're receiving that joy of the Spirit, just sense for some, it's a really deep thing. It's a really deep thing, as Rachel's been saying. And... Um, just felt to read this Isaiah 61. Um, Jesus stands up and reads it, doesn't he? He says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. And I'm just going to skip to this bit. To, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. Yes. And I'm, I'm, as I read this, I'm reading this over you. And you know if it's for you, if you're in the room or online. To bestow on you a crown of beauty instead of ashes. The oil of joy instead of mourning. And a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. You will be called oak of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. And as I read that, as well, I sense the Lord, that display of his splendor, like there's a, there's a, a, a glorious holiness that comes that people will see in you as, as this garment of praise, this oil of joy flows over you despite the circumstances. And so we just pray that over you right now, a display of his splendor in your life. And again, for those that are right in the the midst of a season that is marked by challenge or disappointment or frustration, it just feels like, It's so hard 
Like, like I said, it feels like joy is out of reach because of the circumstances that you find yourself in. And I'm reminded of those verses in Hebrews 12, talks about running the race. And then it says, for, G- for Jesus, for the joy set before him endured the cross, that he could see the joy, the other side of the cross. And I pray, I pray for those who are in the midst of that endurance season, I pray that again, by his spirit, there would be like a fresh revelation of joy. Even a joy that's to come. Come Holy Spirit, meet us exactly where we are. We're going to just worship together now. Again, just use this time. Use this time to uh, fix our eyes back on him, the joy giver, the gift giver. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out. If you want to find out more, visit our website gastric.org or follow us on Instagram at Gastric Church.